This is Pastor Clint Ribble, and you're listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. For more information, please visit gracepoint.net. Today we're continuing our series, Original Virtue with the Virtue of Honesty. And I want us to remember that these virtues, they are not something external waiting to be found, but they are internal waiting to be expounded upon. We have within us the very image of God and thus the characteristics of God. And so we've already spoken about the virtue of gratitude, of wisdom, of courage, of humility, of self-worth and of love and generosity. And we quickly see how all of these virtues work together for wholeness. They work together for wholeness. They work together for growth and for maturity, for the healthy life that we are all capable of. And today we're gonna focus on honesty. And honesty by definition is the quality of being honest. So what is honest? Honest is an adherence to the facts. It is good and truthful. It is not lying or stealing or cheating. It is showing or suggesting a good and truthful character. Now, the origin of that word honesty is from the Latin word honestus. The original sense was a sense of honor or respectability. It later went on to mean decorum or virtue or chastity. Honesty is also a plant with these beautiful purple flowers, but the plant is named for its seed pods, which are translucent, symbolizing a lack of deceit. So honesty is what we hope for in our world, right? This week, someone quickly said to me when I asked them about a situation, they replied with a common uh, question or a common thought, and they said, do you want me to be honest? Yes. (laughs) Yes, we want you to be honest. And spouses or partners, when we ask you if we look good in this outfit, yes, please, please be honest. We want you to be honest. Now, you better be kind with that honest answer. Your life and our relationship may depend on it, but... Truth be told, also, we may not want to hear your honest answer, but we need honesty. We need it so even in the uncomfortable truth, our need for growth then is exposed. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, honesty is the best policy. William Shakespeare says, no legacy is as rich as honesty. So if wisdom, one of our original virtues that we talked about, if wisdom is to see as God sees, to see the reality of what is actually true in ourselves and in our world, then once we see truth, once we recognize wisdom, then honesty is a commitment to truth. Honesty is a commitment to the facts. And honesty thus breeds sincerity. It breeds integrity and authenticity. This week, uh, a recent example of someone who was using his wisdom and his courage and his honesty was Jon Stewart. I don't know how many of you saw his show on Thursday night or it's been floating around Facebook, but on Thursday night, he opened his regular comedy show with his usual monologue. But as he was honest with himself and with the painful reality and truth of what we face this week in Charleston and the effect that it had on our country, he said, as far as jokes are concerned and the whole point of my show being to make light of the news, he said, I got nothing. He said, I got nothing. He said, this week we looked into the abyss of a racial wound and there are no jokes to be said. That was honesty. And that took courage and wisdom, and he spoke with such sincerity and authenticity. See, there are some virtues that our country and our world so desperately need to see so that we can be reminded that we can be better humans, that we can do this too. 
James E. Faust has a quote, we're gonna put it on the screens. It says, honesty is more than not lying. It is truth telling. It is truth speaking. It is truth living and truth loving. All the things, telling, speaking, living, and loving. But maybe as far as honesty is concerned, a huge thought that we all hold as Jack Nicholson so passionately expressed in the movie A Few Good Men, we can't handle the truth, right? We can't handle the truth because a part of honesty is being able to use the wisdom we have to see as God sees, to see the reality, and then to accept it and to believe it. See, we are called as followers of Christ to live in the way that Jesus lived. Stan says all the time that when Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that we could also look at that as Christ saying, I am the truthful way of living. I am the truthful way of living. And we can access this as well. We can achieve this. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 17 through 25. It says this, as a follower of the Lord, I order you to stop living like stupid, godless people. This is the contemporary English version and I like it. <laughs> right? Stop living like stupid, godless people. Their minds are in the dark and they are stubborn and ignorant and have missed out on the life that comes from God. They no longer have any feelings about what is right and they are so greedy that they do all kinds of indecent things. But that isn't what you were taught about Jesus Christ. He is the truth and you heard about him and learned about him. You were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old way of life with all of its bad habits. Let the spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God. You were created to be like God. And so you must please him and be truly holy. We are part of the same body. So stop lying and start telling each other the truth. Let's stop lying to ourselves and to each other and start telling and living the truth. The tone of Paul's admonition here seems to indicate that this isn't always the easiest thing to do, that there is a temptation for us then to do otherwise, to tell ourselves and others something other than what is true. To use Paul's words here, to tell the truth, means that we have put away falsehood. To choose truth means we have rejected lying or deceit. We have said no to manipulation and misleading and misrepresentation. In other words, honesty is a choice. It is a choice, but as we've said over and over the past few weeks, this choice is readily available to us if we can just recognize who we are and what we are capable of and then choose to live and act accordingly. So if honesty is in us to live out, then what we must do is to not choose the alternative, to not choose the sometimes more comfortable or what some might say is the easy route. But I beg to differ that that's not the easy route. If these virtues are truly embedded in our DNA, which we believe it is, then this should be easy. Somehow, along our life's journey, we have conformed to new ways of being in this world, to new ideas. We've listened for far too long to the voices of second-rate thinking. We've listened to the voices of negativity and shame, the voices of selfishness, the voices that say to solely look out for me. Those voices have trained us then so much that when it comes down to doing the right thing, to walking and to living in truth, that it seems we have to fight. We have to push through so much resistance in order to do so. 
We have to get back to wholeness because seemingly often we are living well below our standard and our capacity for abundant life. We have to get back to the original virtue that lies deep within us, sometimes dormant. Ben, my husband recently took Hutch and his best friend Michael to go see Disney's new movie, Tomorrowland. Have you seen it, anybody? Except five, great. It's it's really good, supposedly. (laughs) The basis of this film, though, is that there is an old metaphor in our world that basically says there are two wolves fighting against each other. That one wolf represents darkness and violence, and then the other wolf represents light and hope. Which one do you think will win? And the answer is, whichever one you feed, whichever one you feed. Oh, I see original virtue in my kids every day, and I also see selfishness. (laughs) And I see those same things in myself. So I ask, which wolf are we feeding Which way of life are we pouring into? Because the one that we feed will grow, it will mature, and it will win as the movie goes. So what do you believe in today? And more importantly, what do we want to see lived out at the end of our days? Gandhi says to believe in something and not to live it is dishonest. To believe in something and not to live it is dishonest. And I think that's so telling of where we are at Grace Point right now. We made a decision earlier this year to follow our beliefs and our hearts and actually start living it out despite the risks. To believe in something and not to live it is dishonest. This is also a sentiment that is out there, a bit of the outcry on social media surrounding our black brothers and sisters right now. They are saying, I hear you say you want racism to end and I wanna believe you. They are saying, I see your prayers and I see your typed words on Twitter and blogs. I see your likes and your comments on Facebook. Now do something about it. Do something about it. We can't just believe in better ways. We have to find them and we have to live them out. Now maybe before we can be honest about what we see in the world, we have to be honest about who we are and how we see ourselves. One of my favorite quotes, and I say that all the time, but I really like quotes, y'all. My favorite quote is by Oscar Wilde, and it says, be yourself, everybody else is already taken. Be yourself, the world needs you, and it needs me. Be yourself, everybody else is already taken. And so, so often we have chosen, though, lies for ourselves. We have accepted that who we are is not good enough, that who we are is not enough, And so much in our culture feeds this storyline. The magazines tell us women that we need to be thinner, right? The magazines tell men that they need to be fitter or more successful. So often TV shows give us caricatures of our true selves. The famed Orange is the New Black gives us an entertaining look at women's prison, but it is a shadow of the truth of it. Reality TV is only reality in the sense that these are real names of real people, but they are scripted. They are handled, right? They are not true, or at very least, they are just a fraction of the truth. And is it because truth doesn't sell? Is it because we can't handle the truth? Is it because we think that reality and honesty is not actually good enough? I think that we've fed that wolf, and we've listened to those lies for so long that we've started believing it. See, truth is what we have in our world is a world filled with goodness and beauty at its core. But most of us haven't seen it. 
We are blinded to the truth within ourselves. And maybe it's because religious language that so many of us have grown up with that we've been taught to say and sing. Maybe it's because that language from an early age that we've said over and over and over in our churches and in our songs, we've had to say, I am unworthy. We've said, I am undeserving of love, which translated then to, I am not good. That this human body in which I live, in which my soul lives, is nothing but sinful. That's what I was taught. But what I read in Genesis 1, in the beginning, in the story of all of our lives, God says, I made male and female. And long before any sin took place, God says this, you are very good. You are very good. God said, you are worthy because my image is inside of you. That means that we have something called inherent worth and there is nothing then that we need to do to earn that worth and there is nothing we can do to make that be taken away. Richard Rohr says, God cannot be found out there until God is first found in here within ourselves. He says, Augustine profoundly expressed this so many times in his confessions. Then when we can find God in here, we can then easily and almost naturally see God in others and in all of creation too. See, what we seek is what we are. The search for God then and the search for our truth self are finally the same search. The prayer then that St. Francis supposedly prayed all night long said this, who are you, O God, and who am I? And it is such the perfect prayer because it is so honest. There is a truth of who we are. And there is a truth of where we currently find ourselves. There is a truth of the fabric of our DNA, and there is a truth of how we actually live our lives. Those are two separate things, two different things, and we need to get honest about both because truth holds power. It holds power, and our honesty then draws upon that power. So we need to realize that if I choose to lie, even to myself, then I am not accessing any real power. I can choose to write a check for a million dollars in my checkbook and it doesn't access me a thing, right? Because the number does not represent the reality of what I actually have. And all we have is truth. All we have is our facts and we may or may not like the facts of our lives. We may or may not like how our lives have turned out. We may wish that our reality was different, but denial Lying to ourselves, wishful thinking, deception never changes the facts. They only postpone our appointment with reality. Truth can only be avoided temporarily. The facts will eventually have their say. My dodging may be artful, even masterful at times, but eventually reality will have her say with or without our permission. Stan has said before that if in fact truth equals reality, then falsehood and untruth are in fact nothingness. They are nothingness. And so reality is all we have. It is my life and it is your life and we can't escape it. These are the cards that we have been dealt. Let's look at Galatians 6, 7 through 8. It says this, oh, Galatians. <laughs> We'll get to that one in a second. Galatians says this. It may not be up on the screens. It says, you cannot fool God, so don't make a fool of yourself. You will harvest what you plant. And if you follow your selfish desires, you will harvest destruction. But if you follow the spirit, you will harvest eternal life. Now, the word here, if you follow selfish desires, it implies to the animal nature with cravings which incite to sin. 
Which let us remember, or maybe you're hearing for the first time, that our sin, all of our sin, it is our actions that commence when we forget who we are as the beloved of God. Sin is our actions when we forget who we are as the beloved of God. So when we miss the mark, which is the full definition of sin, it is because we have forgotten who we are, a worthy child of God. So our selfish desires become our desires to act in a way that is not in fact truthful, to act in a way that is not in fact the truth of who we are. And we are feeding the wrong wolf at that point. But if we follow the spirit, if we acknowledge the truth within us, then eternal life is something that we can tap into right here and right now. The kingdom of God is something that we can begin to live out and do so with abundance. Abraham Lincoln says this, I am not bound to win, to win, but I am bound to be true. I am not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live up to what light I have. We are bound to live up to what light we have. And oh, we have great light inside of us. In John 8, you get this telling story of a woman who is caught in the act of adultery. These men literally go into this house and they find her and obviously the man as well, but they choose to drag the woman out into the public square. And I don't even want to talk about the oppression of women at the time and why they left that man there, but we'll let God deal with that, right? So they drag her into the middle of the square. They're going to persecute her. And they say to Jesus in verse four, teacher, this woman has been caught with a man who isn't her husband. And the law of Moses teaches that a woman like this should be stoned to death. Then they say, what do you say? And I just wanna stop right there for a moment because for every voice inside your own head or outside that condemns you, for every voice that tries to shame you or tries to oppress you, it would do us well to stop, to ask, to remind ourselves, but God, what do you say? What do you say? Because God's voice will speak life every time. God's voice will not speak condemnation, but healing every time. God's voice will speak love and be for you every single time. So the story goes that when these men are calling for her stoning and thus her death, that Jesus stoops down and he does something in the sand. We don't know what it was. Then he stands back up and he goes on to say, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And slowly you hear not stones being thrown, but stones being dropped until they all walk away. And Jesus looks at her and he says, where is everyone? Isn't there anyone left to accuse you? And she says, no, no, sir. Then Jesus told her, I am not going to accuse you either. You may go now, but don't sin anymore. He looks at her and he says, I am not going to accuse you because who you are is the beloved of God. Now stop missing the mark. Go and sin no more. It goes on to say later in that chapter in John 8:32, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. See, we all sin. We all miss the mark, right? But that is not who we are. Who we are is not defined by our actions. Who we are is not defined um, by our sexual preference or the color of our skin. Who we are is the beloved children of God, period. Can you say amen to that? So we, when we reject the truth then, when we are unwilling to deal with the reality, to choose to be deceived, is to first be deceived ourselves. 
To choose to try and deceive someone else is to first be deceived ourselves. Deception then, to think that it's beneficial means that you have already been lied to. You have already been lied to. And Apostle Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't be misled. Don't be fooled. Don't be a fool. Whatever a person sows, they will reap the same. So when my kids do wrong, when they act in a way that is sinful, when they are missing the mark of who they are, I don't want to be flippant about it. I don't want to celebrate it. And at the same time, I don't want them for one second to think when they have misstepped, when they have fallen, I don't want them to think they can't share that with me. I owe it to them to be disappointed because I know who they are. I know the goodness that's inside of them, the core of who they are. But with my disappointment, I want them to know my commitment to them, to the good, to the bad, and to the ugly. I want them to know that I will share their own personal disappointment, that I will even share with them the consequence of their action in any way healthy that I can. And I will also help them get up again and never ever to the end of the earth give up on them. Because I believe the truth is everything belongs, that nothing in this life is wasted. And so let's be honest about where we are. Let's be honest even about our mistakes and our circumstances and then choose to grow through them choose to grow through them. So you can tell me anything and it will not cause me for one second to let go of my unshakable belief that at your core is the very image of God and an unbelievable goodness and beauty that is actually our DNA. That is why I spend so much time with Ron Miller and these teams in prison because I go in and I look past the the sometimes unspeakable crimes that they commit and I choose to see their core still. I choose to see their core. This week, I was so moved, and many of you were as well, by the man named of Marcus, who chose to post a comment on Dylan Roof on his Facebook page. And Dylan Roof is obviously the man who was captured for the killing of those nine people allegedly on Wednesday night. Marcus, the man posting the comment on the Facebook page, is a 30-year-old black man who himself was shot previously and has lived to tell about it. He wrote this on Dylan's page. He says, Dear Dylan, I don't know you, but when I searched for your name from the news outlets, it led me here. You are not captured yet, so there is a chance that you may see this message. I don't look at you with eyes of hatred or judge you by your appearance or race, but I look at you as a human being that made a horrible decision to take the lives of nine living and breathing people. He said, Children do not grow up with hatred in their hearts in this world. I believe that we are born colorblind, but somewhere along the line, you were taught to hate people and that were not like you. And that is truly tragic. And then he goes on to say, I love you, Dylan, even in the midst of darkness and pain that you caused. But even more importantly, he said, God loves you. God bless you, Dylan. Honesty and truth. Honesty and truth. Marcus is someone who gets it. So tell me the truth. Because you belong to me and I belong to you. And I can only take care of the part that you give me and that I give you. And the truth is simple to embrace when it's pleasing. It's easy to tell the truth when the facts are good and desirable. But life doesn't always look that way. Regrettable things happen to us and we do regrettable things. And in the course of life, you will be hand, uh, handed, have many hands dealt to you that you don't want to play. And somewhere, sometime, we're going to have to learn to trust God, that God is truth, 
that God is committed to the facts, that God works in the real, the good, and the bad, and that God has set us up to thrive. Let's no longer live regrettably. Let's not ignore truth or to deny the reality of our current lives and our current situations because to escape life through denial and deception is to begin to try and abandon God and God's ways. With denial comes this feeling of estrangement that we so often feel that we are a part of with God. We think then that we are in essence trying to leave God where God will always be and that is smack dab in the middle of reality. We can't, and when we try to live with untruth, we can't access the power that God is within us and with us and for us. This is why truth is always the better choice. It is the only choice. It is all we have and it is where God lives and where God works and it is what is best for our lives. Now, surely there's many more honest uh, reasons to be honest, many more reasons to tell the truth and too many to talk about today. But allow me to employ Paul's words one more time to give you one more good reason to be honest and to be a truthful person. The next scripture I'm gonna put up reminds me of our series together in this. It reminds me of the pain that we all felt this week as we watched not unknown people die. No, we all felt something deep inside. It was a pain and a grief and an angst for our world to be different because we are all actually connected. We are all connected. Let's look at Ephesians 4:25. We are part of the same body. Stop lying and start telling each other the truth. So we need to tell ourselves and each other the truth that we do belong to each other, that my life belongs to you and you, yours does to me. Romans 12, 15 says, when others are happy, be happy with them. And when others are sad, be sad. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part of our body hurts, then we hurt all over. And if one part of our body is honored, the whole body will be happy. See, sadly, we often end up giving up parts of ourselves that actually need the least care. We're honest about those parts. But while the parts of us that are hurting, the parts of us that are dying, the parts that are broken and actually needy, those are the parts that we leave untold and unshared. And by doing so, we minimize the truth of who we are. We diminish our honesty. How often are we asked, how are you? To answer so quickly as if we have this memorized response, good, and you? But good is seldom our reality, right? It is seldom our reality, but it takes time on both parties to be honest. And I think so often we think that the other person that's actually asking doesn't really wanna hear how I am. They don't really wanna know. They don't wanna take the time to hear the real answer to their question. But what if instead we put ourselves and them on our best behavior and we trust the goodness inside of us and we opened up and we shared? James 5:16 says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Confess your sins. Now the Greek actually says, confess your deviations from the truth. Confess them to each other, tell them to each other, and then let's stick around long enough to find healing and to find restoration. Then we can get back to wholeness. We can get back to wholeness. And with every step back towards wholeness and the health of who we are and what we are actually capable of, it's a step forward towards the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. It's a step forward. We must provide a safe place for one another to tell the truth that we are in this together, that we are our brothers and our sisters keeper, that we are in this together. 
I don't know how many of you, hopefully most of us have heard of Malala Yousafzai. She is a now 17-year-old Pakistani activist for female education, and she is the youngest ever Nobel Prize laureate. She is mainly known as a human rights activist for education and for women in Pakistan, where the local Taliban have at times banned girls from going to school. When she was just 12 years old, she started seeing the world as God saw it, and she started speaking, and she started writing the truth about the world in which she lived Because of that, when she was 15 years old, a gunman sought her out and shot her three times, one time in the head. She survived this assassination attempt and has gone to impact our world so greatly. She feeds the wolf of light and hope. There is a documentary coming out about her life, and in it she says her father named her Malala after a national folk hero and warrior of Pakistan. And she said, my father gave me this name Malala, but he did not make me Malala. She said, I chose this. She chose truth, she chose courage, and she chose honesty. And what we see in her life is that one voice and one truth can make a huge difference in our world. Malala is a shining example of someone who not only knows her own truth, but she spoke it, and she spoke it honestly, and she spoke it the truth about the world in which she lived, despite the risks that she faced, despite the oppression, despite the repercussions. She spoke the truth, truth honestly, and she is a beacon of hope because of it. See, when we know the truth about ourselves and this world, we have to share it, despite the repercussions. Chris Boskell? Despite the repercussions, we keep talking and we keep speaking and we share in love despite what the haters say because they are ignorant to their truth. And we keep talking up. Even though the world doesn't always know their truth yet, we keep speaking up in love. Honesty and frankness makes us vulnerable, but let's be honest and frank anyways. If we are passionate for truth, then good. But unless we are equally passionate for personal honesty, we will undermine our truth. So who are we? Who are we as individuals? Who are we as a church? Hopefully we are the ones that 50 years ago would have marched in that march in Selma. We wouldn't just say we're a church that talks about allowing blacks to be involved in our church. We would actually live it out and choose to fight for it. So we are the people who will choose to go on an equality walk next Saturday. We will choose to do that. We are the people who will keep talking about and praying for our black brothers and sisters, and we will also find ways to do something about the racism and the racial inequality that exists in our country. We will choose to make reparations. We will choose to fight for racial justice. And we won't just drive past our homeless friends that we see on the street. We will choose to stop. We will choose to give money. We will choose to buy a contributor. We will show up and we will volunteer at the shelters on the weekends. We are the ones who will keep being honest about the changes that we need to see in our own lives despite knowing who we are as the beloved. We will choose to grow and we will choose to change. We are the ones that will be honest about the reform that needs to happen in the Christian church. We can change the world as it is into the world that it was intended to be if we will use these original virtues inside of us. Gratitude, wisdom, love, generosity, self-worth, and honesty. And day by day, we will recognize that this is our call. Day by day, we will step further towards our wholeness and we will be a part of the kingdom of God, bringing it about 
on earth as it is in heaven. We will nourish the light and the hope inside of ourselves until it fills this whole world. Amen? Amen. Would you close your eyes and let me pray over us as Justin comes this morning. God, direct your spirit of honesty upon us. Guide our daily thoughts and words and actions to join those living by the spirit of your truth. For honesty, God, I believe yields harmony and loyalty, and it enriches all human relationships. So by the power of your spirit that flourishes, may honesty prevail in our hearts and in this world. And all God's people said, amen.